All right. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Valley Creek. Come on, wherever you are. Denton, Flower Mound, Louisville, the venue online somewhere in the world. Come on, come on, come on. It is so good to be together, whether you're at a campus or in your home. We are so glad that you are here with us together. We are moving forward little by little, one step at a time, a movement of hope for the city and beyond. And I'm so excited to tell you today that on November 1st is going to be our soft opening for our Gainesville campus. Come on, somebody. Missional move. Hope for the city is in motion because of your generosity and the hard work of a whole lot of people. We are going to get to open that campus the same way all our other campuses are currently open starting November 1st. So if you know anybody that lives in the Red River Valley, invite them. We're believing that that campus is going to be a harbor of hope for that region and beyond. And so even though it's been a tough season, the kingdom of God is still moving forward. Harbors of hope are still in existence and God is still doing amazing things because hope is on the move. And so like I've told you, we're just kind of moving forward at the pace of safety and culture. We're going to keep moving forward and do things in a safe way. And we're going to only move forward as we can create the culture that God has asked us as a church family to be that Jesus focused, spirit filled, life giving culture. And that takes all of us. Today, I'm reminded by it literally takes all of us. And so this is the season for you to get in the game in a different way. And so maybe it's join a serve team or start giving or get in a circle or come to serve the city or invite somebody to come or watch online with you because it takes all of us to become who God has created and called this church to be. And the world needs it now more than ever before. This is the time. Okay. All right, we're in a series called The Heart of a King, and this is a, a big series for us. This is a significant series. Uh, if you look at the world and the reality of everything that's happening, going on around us with the election and, and the virus and all this different kind of stuff, this is really a prophetic and a timely series for us. And what we're doing is we're taking a look at the life of King David. And I've invited you to read First and Second Samuel with me in our reading plan along the way, because I don't know if you know this or not, but you were created to live with the heart of a king. Dads, you're called to raise your family with the heart of a king. Moms, you're called to lead your family with the heart of a king. Students, you're supposed to go to school every day with the heart of a king. Business people, you go into the marketplace with the heart of a king. Hope carriers, you're supposed to carry hope with the heart of a king. A heart of royalty and virtue and nobility and character and servanthood and humility. And it's time to stop living down to the world and up to the kingdom of God. Yes. It's time to have an awakening in Jesus name and live a bigger life. And I know for many of us, we don't really know what to do with that. We're like heart of a king, royalty, not so sure. Let me just remind you of this verse from last week. It says for you talking about Jesus have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings. kings 
and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. It's talking about Jesus and what he has done. And because his royal blood was shed on the cross for you, you now are royalty out of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation, which means even the worst of us in Jesus' name can be restored to become kings, to have the heart of a king and rule and reign with God on this earth. The problem is for a lot of us, we get confused with those words rule and reign. In the Bible, the word rule, it never means to lord over, it means to come under. It means to serve. It means to uplift and bless those who are under your influence. To reign literally means to have a posture of victory and to be a conduit where you allow God's kingdom to flow through you into every area that is under your influence or your authority in Jesus' name. The problem is, is we don't have a really good definition of royalty. We don't have a really good definition of a king in our mind. When we think about it, we think of elite we think of selfish, we think of kind of a higher than thou, this, this, this person who has set everything up to serve them, but that's not the heart of a king. That's not royalty. Royalty is righteousness. It's holiness. It's fruit of the spirit. It's servanthood. It's destiny. It's faith, hope, and love. It's this expectation of the goodness of God. You see, a king doesn't exist to be blessed and be served. A king is there to bless and serve the people in his realm. A king lives for the good of others and the glory of God. So knowing you're royal, it doesn't make you selfish. It actually makes you selfless. I mean, have you ever seen somebody celebrate when everyone else is complaining? That's the heart of a king. Have you ever seen somebody keep going when everyone else has given up? It's the heart of a king. Have you ever seen someone with passion, even though everyone around them is full of apathy? It's the heart of a king. Have you ever seen somebody do the right thing when everybody else is doing the wrong thing? Yeah, that's the heart of a king. You see, the greatest example of a heart of a king is Jesus. He came to show us the heart of a king. He came to show us a life of royalty. And so if you want to know what royalty and kingship looks like, just look at Jesus' life. In fact, his main message was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's saying, change your mind. Change your mind. There's a new reality, a new realm that I'm inviting you into. And so Jesus took 12 men and he taught them how to live as sons with the heart of a king. And, and when we follow Jesus, every command, every invitation, every request, all of his ways and his thinking and his paths, every one of those is like Jesus saying to you, this is what a king would do. I know that's not what your friends do. I know that's not what the world does. I know that's not what the news tells you. You have heard it said, but I say to you this. This is what a king would do. And so if we're supposed to be shaped and molded into the image and likeness of Jesus, then life is this journey of learning to have the same kind of heart of a king the way that he did because a student will become like his master. Okay, you with me on that? You see, the heart of a king is a heart of passion. It's a heart that's engaged in the battle. It's a heart that creates the future and echoes hope and passionately pursues God with everything they got. And here's what I'm trying to tell you today is apathy does not belong in the heart of a king. Apathy belongs in the heart of a rebel. 
The heart of a Pharisee, the heart of a slave, the heart of an orphan, but not the heart of a king. In fact, check this verse out. The next verse, it says, The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him leader of his people. Talking about David. It says, David was a man after God's own heart. Well, if God was a king and David had the heart after God, then it means David had the heart of a king before he was ever anointed or appointed. But once he was, David is now appointed to be a leader of people. In other words, God says, David, you're now called to live a life of passion. You're called to get engaged in the battle for the good of others and the glory of God. David, I'm sending you out there to create the future, to echo hope, to pursue me with everything that you've got. That's the heart of a king. And that's what made David amazing. When everybody else was afraid of Goliath, David looks forward and he says, this uncircumcised Philistine, I got this, picks up five stones and goes to battle. When everybody else wanted to quit and go back home, David said, I'm going to keep going. When even David's own wife told him to stop worshiping God, David said, I will dance before the Lord. When David's men wanted to give up, David kept going. That's the heart of a king. Apathy does not belong in the heart that God gave you. It's what I'm trying to tell you. In fact, all you got to do is go back to creation. Genesis chapter 1 let us make man in our image and our likeness and let them rule. You were made in the image and likeness of God. I would just submit to you that God has a passionate heart. That God's engaged in the battle. That God creates the future. And that he echoes hope. So if we were made in that image and that likeness, then hardwired into the very DNA of our heart, into the very DNA of our spirit is the heart of a king, the heart of royalty. And he sends us out to rule and reign with him, to be engaged in serving and lifting others up and blessing and, and, and seeing a alternative reality and bringing it to pass in Jesus' name. In fact, this is why those verses say, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Huh? It's not just about the heart. It's about all our heart. Hmm. What does that mean? I don't know, but I know this. There's more of your heart that is available to trust and love and work. We're not supposed to live lives of apathy. We've been empowered to have the heart of a king to live in a different way. And if we're honest, what this season has brought with us is this massive wave of apathy. In this, right, I've been doing this a long time now. In this season, I've seen more apathy in people that used to be super passionate than I've ever seen in 10 years combined. It's almost like this fog has rolled in on us, like this spirit of heaviness. And all of a sudden, we've allowed apathy to settle in our hearts and in our lives. And it feels like it's like hard to get up in the morning. It's like hard to move forward. Do you remember that whole season where it felt like it was hard to put on pants? Yeah, right? That's apathy. Apathy, a spirit of indifference. Some of you at home still don't have pants on. That's okay. In this room, we all do. 
right? It's the spirit of indifference. The belief that this is as good as it gets, that it doesn't matter anyways. Why bother? Who cares? You say it nice outside, but inside, this whole thing is not really engaged in here. I mean, did you ever hear somebody say something like this? They just say, his heart's just not really in it. What does that mean? That means apathy has taken root in their heart and passion has gone out the door. And the reason apathy is such a big deal is because it's a demonic tool sent to destroy the heart that Jesus has restored. Let's not call apathy like I'm tired or I'm having a tough season. Let's call it what it is. It's actually a demonic spirit that wants to bring destruction to the heart that Jesus has restored in your life. In fact, here's the journey that I think many of us go on. Let me show you this, these phases and, and see if this like resonates with you at all. I think this defines the average journey of a follower of Jesus. And you just start with this anticipation phase. In fact, maybe some of you here today are watching online. You're in this phase, like you're anticipating, you're like, you're like, who is this Jesus? And I've heard good things about him. And so you're kind of seeking him. You're trying to figure it out. You have this anticipation of, of what could he be like and what would this relationship be? And then you meet Jesus, you kind of get saved. And it's like the honeymoon phase, man. It's like every time you wake up, you're thinking about Jesus. You read the Bible, things are screaming, jumping off the page. You can't can't wait to be in church. You want to be in a circle. You want to serve. Like all you do is listen to worship music. You burned all your old albums. Like it's amazing. (laughs) Everything is like absolutely incredible. And then all of a sudden after a while, you kind of hit the normalcy phase. It's kind of like, okay, this is the journey and... God's asking me to obey here and do some things that are uncomfortable and inconvenient, but okay, but life is about following him. And then eventually, boom, you drop into the apathy phase. The apathy phase is, I say all the right things with my mouth, but my heart's just not really in it anymore. And, ah, does it really matter? Does it really make it? Who cares? I'll, I'll do it next week. I'll engage next. Uh, uh, well, you know, we, we don't need to tithe anymore because that really doesn't matter. Uh, uh, oh, apathy. But if you'll press through the apathy phase, you come out in this place with the heart of a king because the heart of a king is someone who lives with passion regardless of the circumstances. The heart of a king is I am passionate and engaged in battle whether we are in the valley or on the mountaintop. And you have to go through the valley of apathy to get to this. See, this, this is not passion. This is called enjoyment and excitement. This is passion because this is what I'm willing to suffer for. In fact, just apply this to marriage. Some of you, right? This is marriage. Like the anticipation phase, like, oh my goodness, we're going to get married. He's the best thing ever. And then you go on your honeymoon and you're like, could life be any better? Oh my goodness. And then normalcy hits. Okay, I guess this is what it's like. Okay, you're you and I'm me. And then apathy hits. Why did my mom not talk me out of marrying him? Because he never does the dishes and he's always late. Eh. Eh. <laughs> it's close to home, I know. Eh. But if you press through, this is where a life of marriage and passion and love is. Okay. So here's the question Where are you today with Jesus? 
Where are you? Are you in this phase where you're like seeking God and you're finding him and it's amazing? Have you just kind of gone through the motions down into the spirit of apathy? Or have you pressed through a really hard season with the heart of a king? See, most of us, here's where we quit the journey, right here or right here. Most people that I watch quit the journey, take off their jersey and go home. They quit right here because they think there shouldn't be any difficulty in following Jesus. Or they quit right here, right before God's about to bring a major breakthrough in their life. So where are you? Because see what this is, is this is, I say all the right things and I look good on the outside. But my heart's just not in it. It's Matthew 15 when Jesus says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. It's like I look good, I say the right things, I got all the right answers, and I might show up to a few things, but if I'm honest, my heart's not really in it. And, and you know what this is like, because these are the people that like at the beginning of service today are like, God is good. Jesus has forgiven me. I am, I am loved, 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 and everything is possible. And then you get them talking about the Cowboys, and they're like, oh my goodness, did you see Dak? What is going to happen with our season? Or you get them talking about the politics and you're like, oh my goodness, did you see that debate and that report that came out and I can't even believe this. Or you get them talking about their vacation. Oh my goodness, we're going to Napa Valley. Ah! You know, like, right? Is that the same, same person? Yes. Yes. And here's why it matters. Look at the first command of the Ten Commandments from God. You shall have no other gods before me. You know what he's saying? You're not supposed to be more passionate about the things of this world than you are with me. An idol, listen to me, an idol is not a statue you worship in your home. An idol is anything in your life that you're more passionate about than you are with God. So what he's really saying is you're not supposed to be passionate about all this stuff that I've blessed you with, good things, and be apathetic towards me. Be with me on that. Apathy has no place in your heart. There's, there's a great story in 2 Kings that shows us what the heart of a king is supposed to look like. Elijah the prophet, the man of God, the man who speaks for God is meeting with the, the king of Israel and they're having this conversation and Elijah tells the king, he says, hey, see those arrows in the corner? I want you to go pick them up and I want you to strike them on the ground. The king's like, okay. Picks up the arrows three times. Now what? And Elijah looks right back at him and he says, you fool. If you would have struck the ground five or six times, you would have had a lasting victory. But now you're only going to have a temporary victory because your heart wasn't in it. See, it was a test. You say, what on earth does victory have to do with striking arrows? This is the prophet. This is the man of God. He's speaking the very words of God. So the king is reacting to the prophet as if it was God himself. And he's basically looking at God saying, and Elijah says, you just failed the test. You look like a king on the outside, but inside it's full of apathy. Okay. And I just tell you, I think that's how a lot of us live. We think God invites us to read the word. Didn't get anything out of it, so I'm not gonna do it again tomorrow. Or we pray. 
One time and he didn't answer our prayer the way we wanted, so we're done with that. Get in a circle. We go, but eh, I'm not going next time. Serve. Yeah, I tried it, didn't really work out for me. Give. Ah, God didn't bless me with that promotion this week, so I'm done with that. We need to learn to pick up the arrows. I'm gonna keep reading this Bible until God speaks to me because he promises it's living and active. It's gonna change my life. I'm gonna keep praying because he says, ask, then it will be given to you. Seek and you will find knock and the door will be open to you. I'm gonna keep going to that circle even though I don't even like these people because God says where two or three are gathered, there he is also. You know what, I'm gonna serve because I'm here to bless the world, not to be blessed. I'm gonna keep giving because I know God's gonna keep blessing me in the process. Come on, you've gotta keep striking. Keep striking until the arrows break, your hands bleed, or the prophet tells you to stop. See, well, I'm going to say this, and you're not going to like it. American Christianity is soft. We're soft. We don't have grit. We don't have endurance, nor perseverance, commitment, devotion. We like comfort and convenience. Was that enough? No. Why would you think that's enough? Because there's apathy in your heart. Passion, by definition, is that what you're willing to suffer for. Apathy there, then, is the spirit of indifference. It's, it's this sense of it's too inconvenient or uncomfortable. So why bother? And here's what I need to say to some of you. Corona didn't make you apathetic. I know you think it did. I hear you. And it's, it's easy to blame. And it did change your life. It moved things. It stopped things. It rearranged some things. But it doesn't have authority over your heart. External circumstances only have authority over internal realities if we give it to them. So yes, you might have to wear a mask now. And yes, you might not be able to go to that event now. And yes, this thing may look different now. But it doesn't mean that it had the authority to steal the passion of your heart. And some of us are sitting here and we're saying things like this. When it gets better, then I'll re-engage. The heart of a king says, I'm going to create a better future. Starting right now. So they don't wait for it to get better. They just say, let's go create the future. Because that's what we've been empowered to, by God. Are you with me on this? Come on, Proverbs 24.10 says, if you falter during the day of adversity, how small is your strength? If I can't keep striking the ground just because there's some circumstances that stink, what kind of passion did I really have in my heart anyway? I mean, this is what makes the story of David so amazing. See, we, we look at David and we see this guy with so many passions. He, he, he fights giants and he expands the nation and he, he creates this amazing kingdom that demonstrates the goodness of God. He brings realities of heaven. I mean, he's so passionate that sometimes we can look at him and say he's unrelatable. But even David allowed apathy in his heart. In fact, if you know the story of David and Bathsheba, it's David's like, in a lot of ways, it's his defining moment, and it's because he allowed apathy in his heart. Check this verse out. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, 
David sent Joab out with the king's men, but David remained in Jerusalem. Kings belong on the battlefield, not in the palace. Kings are supposed to be engaged in the battle, not hiding out in the back row. Kings belong in the game, not on the sideline. And so David has built this amazing kingdom. He's got this palace for himself, and he's supposed to go to war. But apathy is in his heart. So he lets someone else go fight the battle. God has called him to fight so he could hang out in his palace. And what happens? That apathy leads him to the worst decision of his life. He sees another man's wife, takes her, she gets pregnant, he has him killed. And that one season of apathy costs David more than any giant ever did. His sons died. He lost his kingdom. He lost his rule. His legacy was forever tarnished. You see, what happens is when you allow apathy in your heart, instead of using what God has given you for the good of others and the glory of God, you start using it for your good and your glory. We build these palaces that have been a blessing from God. Palaces of finances, palaces of hobbies, palaces of sports and activities and relationships. And we spend our lives building these palaces that are meant to be stewarded for the good of others and the glory of God. But when apathy gets in your heart, you start hiding out in the palace using it for your good in your glory. And we start wanting things in our heart more than we want God himself. Kings belong on the battlefield, not in the palace. So dads, can I just tell you, we need you in the battle for your children. Wives, can I tell you, we need you in the battle for your husbands. Students, can I tell you, we need you in the battle for your parents. Come on, business people, we need you in the battle for this city. Valley Creekers, we need you in the battle for the heart of this church. We need you in the battle. You don't belong in the palace. That palace is meant to be there for the good of others and the glory of God. And so the question I would ask you is just, would you choose you? Would you choose you based on your passion right now? Like God says, go to the next verse. It says, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth, looking to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Like God is looking for people who want to pick up the arrows of life and keep going like this. He's looking for people who don't love the world so he can give the world to them. Is that you? Are you with me on this? I know I'm pushing a little close to home and I got a lot of passion for this because I want to see you rise to a new place. So what if the fire has gone out? What if you're sitting here, you're like, yep, the fire has gone out. There's a lot of apathy that's set in my heart. Let me give you a couple quick things on how do we break forward and move. Are you with me on that? Okay, I gotta go quick. First thing is this, just do the heart work. If the fire's gone out, if apathy has taken root in your heart, do the heart work. The heart work is the hard work. The heart work is the hard work. It's the work we don't wanna do. Hear me, it is so much easier to sit in your palace and, th- and throw bombs and argue with people about masks and politics and policies and offenses to hide behind the walls of this comfort and convenience that you've built and put a magnifying glass on everyone else instead of looking in the mirror of yourself. Because just so you know, when you're actually doing the heart work, you don't have time to criticize anyone else. Because you realize real quick, whoo, whoo, whoo. Ooh, I ain't, got, I ain't got time to deal with you because this, this is reflecting some stuff. 
I got some heart work to do. Yeah. As soon as David figured out he had apathy in his heart, he did the heart work. He went after it. He started to confess and repent and turn to God. In fact, Psalm 51 is really his cry out to the Lord when he realizes what happens. And he says, let my passion for life be restored. What does that mean? It means it was gone. Apathy was ruling his heart. Deliver me fully from every sin. Then my heart will once again be thrilled to sing the passionate songs of joy and deliverance. In other words, it's sin that starts to put the fire out in your heart. So what do we need to do? We need to confess and repent. This is a season where the church of Jesus needs to confess and repent. We don't need to be worried about the world confessing and repenting right now. We just got to do it. We got to own the things that have gotten in our heart or been in our heart or have, have gotten unearthed in our heart in this season like fear and doubt and rebellion and sin and numbing and apathy. And we got to own it. Confess, agree with God, repent, change your mind and change your direction. God, I don't know how this all happened, but I don't want to let my passion for life be restored. And I know some of you, I know some of you are sitting and you're like, come on, man, this is a hard season. We need some comfort. And we've been trying to comfort you for seven months. And what I need you to understand is comfort doesn't give you permission to settle. Comfort you gives you the strength to keep going. That's why when Jesus says, take heart to the disciples in this world, you're going to have trouble. But I've overcome the world. Take heart. Come on, my comfort is here to strengthen you. And so we need to repent. We need to change our thinking. We need to confess and agree with God of what's gotten in there because it's like a wet blanket over the fire of your heart. And until it's removed, it's going to be hard for that thing to catch into flames again. Are you with me on that? So Proverbs 4.23 Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life. If apathy has gotten into your heart, it's because you've allowed it. Only you have the authority over your heart. So if it's gotten in there, you've allowed it, which also means you have the authority to remove it. But you've got to do the heart work. And we don't like to do the heart work because it's easier to just complain and criticize and make it about everybody else's heart problems. It's a season to not worry about anybody else's heart problems. Like if you feel the need right now to send emails criticizing and complaining to any organization in your life, like stop yourself for a second and just say, before I send that thing, did I do the heart work on myself first? Then you can move forward, bringing life-giving encouragement and hope, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> I need to say that for some of you again. Come on, don't send the principal a complaining email until you did the hard work of yourself. You with me? Till, I, till you agree with me on that point, I'm not gonna keep moving. Because we're different, we got hearts of kings. Second thing, second thing, do what you used to do. The moment David realized what was happening in his heart, he went back and he did the things he used to do. Like he started praying and engaging the scriptures and getting around godly relationships and worshiping. In fact, check this verse out. I love this. It says, you have forsaken your first love. Your passion's gone. The fire's out. Apathy is there. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. It says when your passion's gone, the fire's out, apathy has moved in, what do you do? You literally go back and do what you used to do. You literally go back and say, what was I doing when my heart was passionate? And that's what you do. In fact, go to the graph for me again. 
If this is a marriage and you're here and the fire's gone out, you know what we tell people? Go back and do what you used to do. Go on dates, talk, communicate, look each other in the eye, say nice things, but I don't want to. We know, that's why you're here. <laughs> but you gotta go back and do what you used to do. So what did you used to do when your heart was passionate for God? Stop. What did you used to do when your heart was passionate for God? Do it. Read the Bible. Engage in services. Worship. Get on a surf. Some of you are like, oh, I, was, I used to be so passionate and I was in like groups and Bible studies. Then get back in a group and a Bible study. <laughs> like if I hear one more person say, oh, I used to really do like groups and Bible studies with God. We're like, get in a circle right now. We will help you get in a circle right now. What you need is a circle. Oh, no, no. No, I, but man, I used to, man, groups and Bible studies, they would just start Bible studies. Oh my goodness, how much more Bible can we give you? That's funny right there. Right? It's so good, Jay. It's so true. It's the saddest thing. It's like, come on, breakthrough, man. Are you in the game? Or have you gone to the sideline, the stands, or worse yet, have you taken off your jersey and gone home? Come on, do what you used to do. And then the last thing is really simple. And it's just this, move forward in faith. Listen to me, feelings are great indicators. They are terrible guides. Feelings, they're great indicators. They tell me what's going on in here. They're bad guides. I don't wanna live my life by my feelings. I will, I will blow up my life. Feelings follow faith. Faith is not supposed to follow feelings. If you wait until you feel like it to follow God, you're probably never going to follow God. Why? Because we don't feel like it. So we need to move forward in faith. We need to have like, like a different perspective. We need to literally realize that physical obedience brings spiritual breakthrough. And sometimes when you don't feel it, you know what you do? You move forward in faith because basically what you're saying is I'm going to take a step of obedience even though I don't feel like it because I'm going to move my heart in the direction I want it to go. In fact, my heart wants nothing to do with God right now, but I, I need my heart to want God, so I'm going to move in a direction physically to lead my heart to where I want it to go. So Romans 14 says, anything that is not done with faith is sin. Think about this. Anything that is not done in faith misses the mark. So if I make my life decisions based on feelings, I'm already missing the mark already missing the life that God has for me. Come on, this is, remember the, the guy, 38 years, he's paralyzed, he's sitting on a mat at this healing pool and Jesus walks up and he asks the guy, do you wanna get well? Do you wanna get well? Do you want passion back in your heart? Do you want a fire burning in there? Do you wanna, wanna, do you wanna love God with all your heart? Okay, then pick up your mat and walk. He says to a guy full of apathy, and that apathy has created atrophy in his life. He says, then pick up your mat and move forward in faith, and your heart will start to follow in Jesus' name. Come on. You are called to have the heart of a king, a heart that's engaged in battle, 
that's passionate about life, that creates the future, that moves forward in faith. And I don't know about you, but I want to have an inferno in here that is so contagious that when people get into my atmosphere, fire jumps out of me and starts in them. Like, do you have passion in the way that you're raising your kids? Do you have passion for how you go to school? Do you have passion for how you do your job? Do you have passion to be a part of this church? Do you have passion to live life? And if the answer is no, then do what David did. And say, some apathy's gotten in there. God, I need you to, I need you to do something. So we just close your eyes with me and let's, let's even do that right now. I don't know where your heart, where your life is today. I know this, the more uncomfortable you feel in this message, the more God is speaking to you. And so what if we just do those three things so you don't even have to do them this week? Like, let's do it right now. Like, like, what's the heart work that needs to be done? What's one thing that you need to confess and repent to God right now? One thing, one area, one place that has gotten out of alignment with him over this season. What's one area of ongoing, unrepentant, willful sin that's, that's keeping the fire down, that literally right now, confess and repent. Confess, agree with God, change your mind. Because he promises that in him we are cleansed and made righteous. But you got to own it. You got to literally have the courage to say, God, restore to me the passion. I confess and repent this area of my life. And then we said, go back and do the things you used to do. What's one thing you used to do when you were more passionate about God than you are today? What's one thing? Big five, just man, when I used to be really excited about God, I used to get up every morning and read the Bible. When I used to be really excited about God, man, I used to have godly relationships who I talked about the message with. When I used to be excited about God, I, I, used, to, I used to go to church every week. Like, okay, what's that one thing? Start doing it. And then the last thing is move forward in faith. And so here's what I want to invite you to do. By faith, if you want to say apathy has no place in my heart, I want God to ignite fires of revival in my soul, then let's move forward by faith. If that's you, I want to invite you to just stand up wherever you are. If you want to say, literally, I'm taking a step of faith to say apathy has no place in my heart. Nobody's looking at you. Only stand up if it's a sign of faith for you. If you can't stand, why don't you just raise your hand? Because literally all you're doing right now is you're moving your heart towards where you want it to go. You're literally making a moment of physical obedience to bring a spiritual breakthrough, to literally say, God, I want to pick up my mat and walk. It's just been a hard season. It's been a lot. And I confess that there's some apathy that's moved in. And I want it to stop going down line into my family and into my job and into my life and my emotions and my physical being. Like, like God, I'm done with it in Jesus' name. 
And so I stand by faith to take a stand against the kingdom of darkness because you say that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. So right now as I stand or I raise my hand, what I'm saying is the apathy in my heart must bow to the name of Jesus. And because Jesus is the king of my heart, he can ignite fires of revival and passion and change me from the inside out. So Lord, today, let today be a day of new beginnings and new breakthrough? Would you awaken us? Would you revive this body? Would you fill these families? Would you overflow us with your goodness and your grace? May passion be the marker of our lives as we go with the heart of a king and create the future, engage in the battle and move forward with everything that we got with all our hearts. In Jesus name we pray. Amen.